East Durham College. Business Bites. In business, for business. Do you live in County Durham or its surrounding areas? Are you fed up with your existing role at work? Or do you have a business that you need to future-proof? If you don't know where to start to access training for you, your colleagues or your business, East Durham College can point you in the right direction. Find out about our services, our staff, programmes and expertise in this podcast series. Make sure you press follow now to not miss an episode. In business, for business. East Durham College. Business Bites. East Durham College. Business Bites. In business, for business. Hello there and welcome to the next episode of the East Durham College Business Bites podcast. My name's Sarah Jolly and I'm the Business Development Manager here at East Durham College. And today I'm joined by Lee Stafford, business owner and founder of the Lee Stafford Education, a not-for-profit organisation raising the standards of the hair industry. We're proud to carry Lee Stafford Hair Academy here at East Durham College. So thanks for joining us today, Lee. And for those who don't know, well, and those who don't (laughs) know anything about yourself, do you want to give us a little brief overview of your time in this industry? Okay, well, I started off in my mum's dining room when I was uh, 15 years old, dyslexic. I worked there for the first six years of my career uh, without any education, um, which was um, which was great, but also um, quite painful as well. But I, but I did have a fantastic time in that dining room. Um, I then opened up my first salon when I was about 21 or 22, was it? Um, and really, I just fell in love with hair. I mean, you know, I was lucky to to find a job that was my my passion, and um, and I and I and the, and people, you know, just don't understand how. Well, like it's like anything in life to do something to the best ability. You know, it it, it it's it's um it's a lifelong journey, and I just I got addicted to learning about hair and managing people and business and my career um, slowly but surely grew. Um, I ended up, um, you know, winning plenty of awards and I got jobs on telly. I opened up a, a hair care line that was, uh, that's been in boots for 21 years. Um, and I was very involved um, in the uh, private side of hair education for many, many years before um, working with colleges. And um, yeah, and I've got four small uh, children at the moment. I've got, I I didn't have my first child, so I was 48 years old, Uh, got all the work out of the way. Well, not all the work and and a lot of the play out of the way and became a dad. So I've got four children that are um, nine, seven, six and three. And uh, and we're currently uh, in uh, Ibiza. So a little bit different to uh, Peter Lee, where I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the weather's probably um, a bit better, but I know that the people are exceptionally good where you are. (laughs) That's very true. I am biased, though. You would expect me to say that. (laughs) So that's really interesting, the amount of years, like you say, that you've spent within this industry. And and I guess you, you do have to have a passion for something that you love to be able to be within this industry for a long time because I would imagine you need to be really quite resilient in this industry would you agree though that Lee? Well it, yes because when you're learning to do hair like learning to 
you know, play a sport. I mean, you, you know, you can't, you're not going to be amazing straight away. And there's lots of times, you know, I mean, I went to play golf yesterday. I never played golf, right? But apparently they're all saying that, you know, you hit a good shot, it's like doing a good bit of hair and you, you're buzzing. And then the next 10 shots are, 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 are not good. And, you know, and that can, you know, when you're doing people's hair and you're learning, and you're making mistakes and people don't like what you've done. I mean, it's a very difficult journey, you know, but then you do that one head of hair where someone loves it and you're really proud of it. And then that spurs you on. In that time, because you have spent such a vast amount of time within this industry, what kind of major changes have you seen from, like you say, um, from the very beginning in, in that dining room to where you are now? What major changes have you seen? Well, there's been lots of big changes i mean god i've been in the business now now what am i 57 i mean that's god that's like 40 odd years i've been in the business i mean when i first started cutters were the kings and the colorists were always kind of by the cutter's side you know coloring what the cutter did you know now that seems to have flipped on its head and now it's the colorers that are kings and now yeah. one really wants like a, you know, crazy haircut anymore. The haircuts are just quite simple and natural. You know, colorists are now king and the cutters are not so much. Um, that's been a big change. Obviously, barbering. I mean, I remember when I first started, you know, barbering was filled with really old men in white coats that were technically great, but had no idea of fashion. So a young man wouldn't go to a barber shop because the barber might give him something that's just you know, not current, where now that's completely the opposite. You've got all these young men that are super fashionable, that learn all these techniques amazingly. I mean, the barber world is, it really is like the, they're like the rock stars of the industry at the moment, you know, so that's come out from nowhere. Uh, and they're super talented, a lot of these barbers. I mean, the other big change is, um, you know, the marketing side for hairdressers. I mean, when I was around, it was all about TV. There wasn't any social you know, you if you yeah. wanted to make, you know, if you wanted to make a big splash for yourself and get out there and you know, not just within the industry, but I mean, you know, on the you know, so people on the streets of Glasgow and London and Leeds know who you are, the only way to do that really was through TV. Where now, yeah. you know, it's social, which is great for a younger person because if they've got talent, they're not beholden to the producers and the channels anymore they can create their own channel you know so I think that's been an incredible uh, shift and also just even just hairdressers that are just working in a salon you know they can they can easily communicate with all their clients you know you know that's been a big shift um, I think also you know when I was around you know 99% of hairdressers were employed when now there's this big shift to people being self-employed wanting to be their own bosses you know and the industry is completely split on that at the moment, you know, but it seems to be going that way and you can't be stuck in the mud, you know, just because that's how it used to be. Yeah, I guess yeah. It's, it, it moves with the times, doesn't it? Like everything does. But I think that whole kind of working for yourself thing is is a really interesting, like you say, if it's a bit of a split decision, whether that's a good thing or a or a bad thing, really, because you're right. You know, we've got people who might rent a chair in the salon and they've got their own set of customers, don't they? And um, I guess they're having to do every bit of the the marketing and social posting around just their own clientele, even though there might be three or four different stylists within one establishment. That's right. And the other big problem is that these self-employed salons, you know, the, 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 the boss really has just become a landlord. 
you know, he's not running a team or a business anymore. So he's a landlord. So he's not going to be paying for apprentices. So as this self-employed system, you know, gets more and more traction, there's going to be less and less opportunity for apprenticeships in our industry. Um, so I think that's going to be a big issue. Yeah. Do, is that where kind of the thought process has, has come then with regards to your education programme? Is you kind of seeing those changes and thinking that you needed to, you know, create something and, and that space to help people? Well, it, it is. And, you know, I mean, I was involved in the private side of hair education. I was a, a global ambassador for Red King L'Oreal for a couple of decades, going all over the world doing education and shows to uh to experienced hairdressers and uh, but the problem was is that if i'd be brutally honest with you i mean i had you know seven salons and i employed hundreds of young people over a 25 year period and um and i never we never employed one young person leaving college after doing their course as a hairdresser in one of our salons they just weren't up to our standard so we always would have to sort of retrain them and a lot of my friends were complaining about this so we felt like we could help this sector, you know, using what we'd um, what we'd gathered from the private world. And, yeah. and really, how we how we sum it up is um, is the omelette analogy. So let me just explain this to you. So imagine you wanted to go to college to do a cookery course and become a chef, and there were certain recipes that were part of the curriculum. And one of these recipes that you had to cook was an omelette. Well, the problem with the current system, as far as we could see, is that most trainers in most colleges all had a very different omelette recipe that they were teaching the students. And in my experience of going up and down the country doing CPD days in colleges, a lot of the omelettes I saw, you know, probably weren't up to our standards. So consequently, young people were being shown a hundred different ways to cook a, a, not, a, a not good enough omelette. And it was just confusing for everybody, you know, at all these different ways. There was no continuity or consistency with the training. So no wonder young people were struggling to get jobs when they left college to go to omelette restaurants, so to speak. But so our philosophy at LSE is we didn't want to share with you hundreds of ways to cook an omelette that wasn't going to be industry ready. We wanted to share with you just one outstanding Michelin star way, because when you can do that, it doesn't take much to add to the recipe to cook hundreds of different kinds of omelettes michelin omelettes so the rules at least are simple we, we follow the rules of the recipe in our academies until we hit that michelin star standard and then we break every rule in the book because we believe when technique becomes second nature that's when your creativity can truly run free. yeah yeah i mean uh, that's an absolutely brilliant way of i, I guess just really honing out what, what maybe that like problem was and how you've been able to create a solution yeah. it has it has revolutionized that and, and let's be under no illusions that's a fantastic achievement by you and the team who've worked on this I mean what, what would you say across your career Lee would be your biggest career highlight to date um I mean winning men's British hairdresser of the year in 1998 was a huge career highlight for me because up until that point, you know, we'd been in South End, our local town, you know, passionately working on our craft and our business, and we built up this big team, and we were uh, we were flying, you know, we was there was so much healthy competition in the salon, and but anyone, no one knew us outside of South End, you know, no one really knew yeah. us within the industry, you know, uh, so 
winning that award, I mean, that was like the Oscars of 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 hair, you know, that, yeah, that, that yeah. British Hemsworth. So winning that was was unbelievable because it just sort of catapulted us right out into the industry and uh, we sort of became these mavericks overnight and uh, and winning that award I mean so much came from that in the end you know we ended up I ended up getting a job on TV for the first time through producers you know uh, being at that awards and seeing us go on stage and pick it up our award up in the fashion that we did it and um, <laughs> and also got um, I also got a hair care line off, off, off of someone that was sitting in the in the um you know, approached me and said, you know, would you ever consider, you know, doing a hair care line? So yeah. winning that one award was 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 a huge um, highlight for me. I mean, the, I think the other big highlight was, you know, because when you first get your products launched in somewhere like Boots, you feel like you've won the lottery. You know, you start. Yeah, you get yeah. Carried, you get it's, carried away with yourself. Yeah. But well, like I guess it's like the Hamptons and you start test driving for you know. <laughs> but you quickly realize you've been thrown into the gladiators pit with this yeah. toothpick, you know. And uh, and we was in uh, we was in boots for only six months and they called us up to their head office and they basically said if you don't double your sales in the next six months, you're out. So one minute I was looking at houses in the Hamptons, the next minute it's cardboard boxes outside Piccadilly Circus, you know. So but <laughs> But in that six-month period, we brought out heat protection. We were the first people in the world to bring out a product that that uh, protected your hair against heat, straightening irons. And yeah. that one product trebled our sales overnight. So that was a, a big career highlight. And I suppose, you know, there's no doubt about it, what we've done with our academies, you know, has, has been another huge career highlight for me because that's something now I'm doing to try to give back, you know. So the other stuff was kind of what I did along the way. Yeah. And now the academy business is about trying to, you know, give something back to young people coming through. Yeah. I mean, thinking of, of yourself then, if you could give your younger self a bit of advice of, of all of the knowledge and experiences you've had along your way now, what bit of advice would you have given yourself, Lee? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I would definitely try to work with the best people you can. I think that's yeah. so important. You know, just try to surround yourself by with people that inspire you and, mm-hmm. and keep you reaching. You know, I think that that's really important. And and taking big risks. I think that you've just got to take risks in life, whether that, you know, it might be that these people that you need to work with are not in your hometown. You mm-hmm. know, they mm-hmm. you have to travel somewhere, you know, or... Or you have got to set up a business and you might have to risk some, you know, you've got to take risks. And the bigger the risks, the bigger the rewards. And yeah. um, and just don't stop visualizing, don't stop visualizing your dreams. You've got to have dreams. You've got to have something to reach for. So just keep visualizing it all the time, you know, because that stuff is real. If you keep visualizing it and you keep thinking it and you keep planning for it, then inevitably that stuff happens in the end. Yeah, I can imagine that is quite a surreal moment, like you say, when you saw your product line in, you know, a brand like Boots. I can imagine that was a a bit of a surreal moment when that first happened. Did you get kind of accustomed to that, Lee? Well, to be quite honest, I remember the first time I ever went into Boots and saw my products in there. And I was with my business partner and um, and I looked at my products. I had one shelf. It was, it was the top shelf to begin with. It ended up going right down to the bottom before we brought out heat protection. But uh, And then I looked next door and Charles Worthington, he had six shelves 
So I always remember wow. I looked at my, my my products in boots and then I looked at Charles Worthington and then I went to my business partner. I said, how comes he's got six shelves? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, you know, I wish because, you know, you hear so many wise people along the way say, you know, smell the roses, you know, along the path, you know, but. And I think that's important to have gratitude and all of that. You know, it really is. But, you know, I, I, along that way, I was just, I, I never kind of patted myself on the back. You know, I was always trying to push to the, yeah. you know, I never sat back and went, oh, well done, mate. You know, <laughs> it, it, you know, I was always a bit, you know, because once you've got it in a place like Boots, you, you're, then, you're then anxious that it's not going to be there next year. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, yeah. because, you know, Boots, somewhere, you know, a place like Boots, it's, you know, they don't take any prisoners. You know, you're either doing the numbers and you're in or you're not and you're out. Yeah. You know, I so mean, there's always that, that that feeling of you've got to keep pushing. Yeah. It's probably testament to you, like you say, you, your dreams of, of where you wanted to be, but also putting putting the graft and the hard work in as well to get you where you wanted to be. Just thinking of that, and and, and this might have changed across your, your time, certainly from when you started to where you are now, but who would you say inspires you to be your best version of yourself? Oh, I, I end up stumbling across a guy called Ziggy Ziglar, who was an American motivational speaker. And... I remember I bought all his cassettes. That's how long ago this was. You can still <laughs> you, you can still watch him on YouTube. You can he, watch him. I very much know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he inspired me so much because you know I remember when I was young and I was and I didn't know, I went from my mum's dining room to opening up a salon and I didn't have a clue about business or people or you know I didn't know who the tax man was you know and and. Um, and, you know, and, and, and things can get on top of you, you know, when you're, you know, when you're a business owner or just that when you're out there in the real world trying to earn money, it's, it's not easy, you know, mm, yeah. and um, and things can get you down, you know, and Ziggy always used to lift me, you know, mm-hmm. and I used to listen to him on the way to work. And I always remember I'd get out of the car and I'd be like, yes, I'll be ready to attack the day, you know, and um, so he really, really helped me a lot. And then, of course, he went on to people like Anthony Robbins and, and you know them other great uh, you know life coaches, but yeah. and and Vidal Sassoon was someone. I mean, you know, young people these days don't even know who Vidal Sassoon was, but you know he was wow. he was so <laughs> he was so important. I mean, he revolutionised the way the whole world wore their hair, and he yeah. was British, and he and, and, and he was responsible mm. with his team, you know, of making Britain you know the number one place on the planet for hair and it still is mm-hmm. today you know mm-hmm. seven mm-hmm. S- 60 years later you know and that's yeah. because of Sassoon's legacy you know and I suppose the other person that really inspired me was was John Frieda because John Frieda was you know probably in between the age of Sassoon and myself and yeah. um and he had his brand out there before I had my brand out there and he you know he sold his brand 20 years ago when he was 50 years old for 400 million. I mean, who, they say wow. you can't make any money in hair. And I was <laughs> always just blown away by how he navigated all of that, you know, and he became yeah. a mentor of mine in the end, you know, which I was you know, hugely grateful about. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because like you say, you've you've had so many pivotal people. I mean, those people you're talking about there, I, I absolutely, as I am of a certain age, know every single one of the people that mm. you've mentioned there, which is like, it's just, like you say, surreal um, to think that they have had such a, a part to play in, in your career, which is amazing. But how do you feel when you go and visit your academies? Like, does that make you feel like them when you go to see this new up and coming talent who are being trained within your academies? Is it like kind of doing that full circle for you? Um, yeah, it's always um, a great experience when I go to one of my academies. I mean, you know, the, all the, you know, because I'm only, you know, I'm not in there all the time. I mean, my team are in there um, a lot. And of course, we're using all of the, the the the, um, the uh, videos and you know which I'm presenting, uh, but it's just great to go in and work with the students really because I don't want them to think it's just a name above the door and you know I haven't put my yeah. heart and soul into this whole thing you know and so you know me going in there work you know working with the students is great because they know that this is real now you know and um, mm-hmm. And and it's great to go in there and see the trainers just knocking out them recipes and just doing them beautifully mm-hmm. and following it step by step. And it's just looking like a, you know, just a just a beautiful piece of art that they are presenting, you know. And uh, yeah. so that, that that always makes gives me a real knot in the stomach when I see them delivering it better than I can do it, you know. <laughs> and that happened the other day at your place, you know. Um, it was amazing. Um yeah, so, you know, it's just a mixture of emotions, really, feeling grateful and, you know, I suppose a little bit proud now and again. It's very humbling as well, you know, to yeah. see how much, you know, the the trainers have taken to it and, you know, and delivering it. Yeah, I think anybody listening to this today will just realise, I think for a lot of years, you've just worked really hard like super hard now one of my questions would be obviously you commented on that you um didn't have a family till you were a little bit older how on earth do you mix parenthood with being in this industry where you're working (laughs) that hard well I mean you know I didn't have my family till later on in life and I think that if I'd have had them when I was 28 it would have been a whole different story because you know I was obsessed with hair and business Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I don't know how a family would have fitted into that. But, you know, I did read a book called The E-Myth Revisited that changed my life. And it was all about working on your business and not in your business. And, you know, if you're a business owner, you know, if you're working in your business, sorry, working on your business, not in your business, you can work from anywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, and um, and you can be with your family as you're working. And to be quite honest, you know, my dad always said to me, you know, you can work hard now when you're young. So you can work hard less when you're older. Um, Great piece and, of advice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it was very true. I mean, I was just very lucky that I, I, I did a job that was play as well. So even though I was working like a lunatic all the time. It never, ever felt like work to me. It was easy. It was play. Um, So, you know, because I've had my children later on in life now and reading the E-Myth, you know, I've, 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 you know, this year with me and the family have spent time in Portugal. We've spent time in Ibiza now. You know, Mm -hmm. you can, I can spend time with my family and work. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like the it's like the magical recipe that really is is the balance of of everything there for you, isn't it? So, I mean, exactly, I guess yeah. um, you know you're right. Obviously, you're in you're in Ibiza at the moment. So, what does the future hold for you? Um, what is on the horizon? What is inbound, business wise? Well, I mean, I, I sold my my hair care line last year, so um, you know that part of my life now has has gone. So really, all I'm working on now is my um, educational business, the academy business. And our vision right from the beginning was to open up 30 academies dotted all around the UK. So it didn't matter where you lived or what your financial situation was. You had access to this kind of first class education. And that still is our dream. You know, yeah. I yeah. think that the, 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 the stumbling point that we've come up against, because you know, I know how much this has impacted uh, people's lives. You know, mm -hmm. the Lee Stafford Education Programme, the, the trainers, the students. You know, I, I hear it all the time, but yeah. it's just it's 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 a difficult um, it's a difficult thing to quantify standard. You know, yeah. how much the standard and the energy and the enthusiasm has gone up. That's the thing that we need to try to kind of get proof of concept on which is not easy no um but um but you know so so in a nutshell our vision is still to open up 30 academies mm -hmm. um if that doesn't happen then i will end up um sailing off into the sunset with a pina colada well we are really really proud to have your academy here at east durham college and we are really really grateful that you've joined us today for a chat it's been absolutely brilliant to talk no, to you thank you um and if you would like more information about our Lee Stafford Academy here at East Durham College, just drop us an email at business at eastdurham.ac.uk. And thanks very much for listening. And if you'd like to get our next episode straight to your feed, just give us a follow. East Durham College. Business Bites. In business, for business.